0: Hi everyone. This is the Ask Annie podcast. Horse girl reviews on products you use. This episode is brought to you by Hamleys. Hamleys, America's oldest western store since 1883. Hamleys has been known to deliver world-class saddles and quality handmade western craftsmanship. You own a piece of the old west when you buy a Hamley saddle, tack, chaps or other Hamley articles visit the Hamley Western Store at hamley.com or Court in Maine in Pendleton, Oregon. Hamley's is now owned and operated by the Confederated Tribes of Umatilla Indian Reservation. Hamley's, the legend rides on. Well, thank you for joining us today, Woodrow. Would you mind telling us a little bit about Hamley Western Store came
1: about? Sure. Um, Hamley Western Store uh, opened up uh, officially 1905, and uh, by the Hamley brothers, uh, and they have a prior history. Uh, their, their folks came over from England, uh, and, and uh, they were in the uh, harness business. And, and of course, in the, uh, in the 1800s, it was, everything was horsepower in those times. And then anyway, so uh, uh, they started out back east somewhere, uh, I forget where, and uh, the younger uh, brothers uh, decided they wanted to move out west, and they went out to South Dakota. They started there. It's a big farming area right on the uh, Minnesota-North uh, Dakota border. And then uh, they moved further further west into uh, uh, southern uh, Washington, southeast Washington. And uh, they opened up a shop there, and they survived a the fire the business burnt up in uh, the late uh, 1890s and then uh, uh, they started again and it, it finally it burnt up again and so it was in uh, uh, 1905 they moved to uh south here to Pendleton and then they uh, uh bought this corner right here opened up their business here in the corner where we're presently located and as uh, like I said they were into the harness business you know because uh there was a lot of uh, transportation uh, by horses with uh, wagons and like that. Even though back east it there there was, uh, you know, a turn of the century. They were they had electricity and uh, carts. They still uh, were using horses. It's kind of a transition period. And then, uh, but out here, the farmers were still using uh, uh, horses to uh, pull combines and you know plow up the ground to uh, plant their uh, crops. So that was the main business. They had a small factory. They had about uh, maybe 14, 15 uh, individuals, leather workers. And uh, these leather workers were were doing all kinds of things downstairs there. And then as the uh, the more modern times uh, were arriving into the uh, uh, 1920s and like that, the people, farmers were buying uh, uh, tractors and and uh, they didn't need the horses for the farming as much, and then the wagons the trains had uh made it out here, so they didn't need the stage coaches that uh that uh, used a lot of team horses so that that part of the uh, harness business was getting phased out real real fast but the they still in this area were in the mad, middle of livestock country, so a lot of sheep herding a lot of uh uh cattle, cattle business going around and, and a lot of grazing areas. Not every not every every piece of ground was good for farming. So this we're we're kind of what they call the high plateau or kind of a high desert area. And they were situated uh right next to uh, our reservation uh uh we have a Umatilla River flows through our reservation and right flows right through town so it's called a umatilla reservation and then uh there's several reservations around here and uh, this is, uh, in this area, the Cayuse Indians, uh, my tribe, I'm a Cayuse Indian, were, were noted for the abundant horse, horses that they had. And they were one of the uh, prime um, providers for the uh, horse market for pulling those uh, uh, wagons. And, and and still, even uh, past the 1900s, they were still using horses back at, back on the East Coast and they were using them for inner city uh, carts and apple carts and small carriages and gold mine, uh, coal mines. They used the horses to go down underground. So there was still uh, that type of a market here. So horses were still being moved out. And uh, the, a big transition went into the saddle market uh, and uh, anything saddlery uh, having to do with the saddle market and uh, starting uh, late 1910 into the 20s. And, then they started keeping track of their uh, uh records of all the saddles they made. And they uh kind of uh took a spin-off from uh Ford Motor Company where they had the assembly line. So they could uh make a saddle in three days here. And but they, like I said, they had one guy, all he did was cut out pieces, and all another guy did uh one guy all he did was make the uh, uh cinch parts, another guy made uh Harness, uh, I mean, the head stalls and the reins for the bridle. And uh, we had a guy out, out in the backyard. He made uh, bits and spurs. And uh, one guy would uh, carve the leather and another guy would put the leather on the saddle. And so, yeah, it just, and the parts usually were already uh, cut out and uh, just stored. They had uh, round squirts, square skirts, and uh, different uh, sizes of uh, uh, parts, main parts. So when the uh, when they when it come time to build a, a specific saddle, that they didn't have to take all day long to cut parts out and stamp them and get them wet and wet them dry and all of that, all the uh, things it takes to make a saddle. So that that was uh, and then that kind of start to uh, uh, die out. And we were looking at the records, uh, reviewing the uh, documents that we have on the computer. And it was up until the mid-1930s, uh, back going into the 19 when they, uh, I think 1926 or somewhere about there, when they started uh, keeping records. And there was uh, already by then over 11,000 saddles they had made up to that point. So they were doing uh, pretty uh, pretty good business. And then uh, and that just transitioned as the use of the horse kind of uh, diminished as far as livestock is concerned, and, and uh, the ranching business kind of uh, start changing and becoming more modernized and like that. So they didn't need that many horses, but then the rodeo business the uh, competition took off. So there was two saddles, two saddles that came out of that. There, there's, uh, I don't know, all this, uh, there's 50, 60 different types of saddle trees and uh, different variations. But out of that, uh, out of all those uh, saddle trees, two styles came out that had been invented here at Hamleys. One was called a wade tree, and uh, uh, usually around the country, it's called a slick fork. There's no swells on, the, the they don't bulge out from the side. And then there's one they call the association, Hamley association. And that that's a result of the rodeo, uh, because um, in all the different rodeos, these uh, cowboys would come with their own saddles and, and uh, they had real enormous giant swells that would hold them in on a, uh, on a bucking horse. And so uh, they said, well, that's not fair to all the cowboys. So there, there was four uh, rodeo uh, companies, uh, uh, Pendleton, Walla Walla. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't get the other two. Cheyenne uh, Rodeo and Wyoming. Oh, I can't get that last one. Anyway, they got together and they voted and then they they asked Hamleys to uh, develop a, a saddle. And we had a, a tree called the Llewellyn tree and they had the big swell, but they were straight across. And so they modified it in several different sizes. And then everybody voted how big a candle it should be, how big a swell, and they, they figured on a 12 a inch swell that should hold the cowboy in. And then so Hamleys built, for these four uh, associations, they built uh, three trees, uh, a 13, and a 14, and a 15. And that's what the cowboys had to ride. And of course, cowboys are a lot skinnier than those. They are not big like me. So, they, so if you came to ride in one of their rodeos, you had no choice but to ride in one of those saddles. So uh, later on, they made this, and uh, these cowboys start bringing their own, uh, they'd come to Hamleys and they'd buy a saddle. And uh, but there had to be association saddle if they were going to ride in one of these uh, association rodeos. So that kind of became generic across the country. So there's been all, then they formed it into a roping saddle and all kinds of variations on it. Uh, The skirt, the change, uh, uh, they did all types of uh, different carving and stamping and like that. So Hamley was uh, uh, synonymous with the Northwest Type of uh, trees and like that, so the trees variation. Those two uh, trees have have kind of made it back, headed back east down towards Texas, and so you'll see a lot of variations on on the on the Wade tree and on that association tree. But they were they were uh, invented here at Hamley, so that kind of uh, our claim to fame. And as far as uh, saddles are, and then of course uh, it used to be called Hamley Saddlery and we were noted for our saddles. And then uh, anything that had to do with uh, life, uh, horses, shops, um, uh, breast collars, head stalls, bits, spurs, any, anything that had to do with uh, uh, getting on a horse and, and uh, working livestock. And there's, there's, there was, there became two different styles with uh, uh, saddle, the saddle, the exterior of the saddle, they start doing more uh, carving. They used to do, it used to be all stamping. And a stamp is just one set design, and they just whack that all over there, and they wouldn't do it any. And then they would do the uh, carving where they take a, a knife and they carve a floral design in it. And and it takes a lot longer to make uh, floral designs, to make, uh, put animals on there, and they start getting into the trophy business. And so there's, uh, Hamley's got some real exotic looking. Saddles that they that they made on those uh, two saddle trees. So uh, yeah, and that's kind of how their history. They went along, and boy, after a while, it just kind of died out for a while. Uh, saddle making. Um, they uh, they started making uh, like golf club bags here, anything that had to do with leather, leather belts, and like that. And uh, that that phase kind of uh, uh, you know you, a business venture. You got to try everything to stay in business and uh so that didn't work so they all but they always stuck with the saddlery, saddlery equipment and then uh then they start uh, getting into the clothing and then hats and boots and like that and added that into it and that's kind of uh, where we're at today and then we've uh and it's gone through uh, ownership in october of 05 that's when uh Hamley's reopened again so uh i got hired on as a uh, uh saddle repairman i worked with uh monty beckman He's the one who hired me, and uh, Parley Pierce was the boss at that time over the saddle shop. So it, yeah, it was a, a, a real education for me. All of these things that I've, I've explained, uh, I learned it in those, those time frame, digging around in the basement. They've got stacks and stacks of old pictures and records, and and uh, just uh, delving through those those things and just and then being a, a repairman. We got all these old saddles that would come in, and then so I'd look back and I'd, I'd look at the saddle number and then, and I had uh I'm a retired police officer and uh, I was a supervisor at several uh, tribal police departments. And One of my jobs was to organize records, so I I organized all the Hamley records here on the saddles by the year and the, by the uh, num- numerical and and by the alphabetical uh, order. And then I would look up a number on a saddle that came in. I would see who made it. And then, uh, so it just kind of gave me some information on, on these fellas and the technique they were using. The majority of the saddles that I worked on uh, uh, come from uh, in the 40s and the 50s. People were bringing them in and uh, they all made, the the saddle makers were make, putting these saddles together, all different underneath them. The outside looks the same, but underneath, They'd have a different amount of leather, different amount of, some of them had an all ground seat, uh, all leather ground seat. Some had the metal plate in it, but it was all high quality uh, uh, workmanship. The leather was shaved thin and it had have another layer on. And then that would be shaved thin, I, I didn't understand why they had so many uh, little, just shave it right, the edge right down to a feather to nothing. And then they cover it again and then develop the ground seat. So. And then, and then that was a, a kind of the forte of a, a Hamley saddle. And a lot of people didn't didn't understand when they bought a Hamley saddle, why it felt good when you sat in it. Just like, uh, you know how a bicycle feels? Sometimes you get a good bicycle seat and sometimes the bicycle seats, they don't fit you. So you, it, it, it's that, it's the shape of that kind of a little triangle there that you put into the saddle and now you sweep out the, uh, the uh, seat and shave it. and and build that in there. So boy, that that would be. They all did it. They all did it a little bit differently. And then they would cover it up with a big old thick giant piece of uh, leather. And they used uh, pretty much Herman Oak was uh, was the primary uh, leather that they used for alder saddles. And we still do today. That's all we use. And uh, it's the number one quality. Well, there's I think there's a couple other uh, uh, leather companies in the United States. And and uh, some of them. When we're when uh, Herman Oak is not available, we'll get one of those other guys to uh, give us some uh, American-made leather because of the the the, the tannage that they uh, tanning process that they use, veg tan. They don't use no chemicals and, and like that when they when they're uh, uh, tanning their leather. So you get a real good thick, high quality. It's tanned all the way through because sometimes uh, um, I remember I was buying some of that. Uh, I don't mean to uh, make fun of uh, any of these. Uh, some leather coming out of Mexico, but I bought uh, at a uh, at a discount through uh, one of our national uh, leather stores. And uh, in the middle of the leather, had a little thin white line, and that's rawhide. And you can't have that when you're when you're you're trying to cut through, and you want to have a nice smooth cut. And all of a sudden, you get to that, and then your leather, your knife takes off at a wrong angle, and gets can get rugged. So, yeah, they, they, uh, you stick with the best, the high quality stuff. And that last years. you know, become, we got saddles here that uh, there's been passed on to generations. People are bringing in saddles that belong to their grandfathers. And, and the saddle is like a car. You always got to change your tires and your battery. While a saddle, you always got to change your saddle strings and your sheepskin. And you, you take care of your saddle all the time, keep uh, changing the sheepskin and Keep putting new strings on there and then that's a sign of uh, somebody taking good care of their saddle so the saddle lasts longer and the saddle strings will get rotten could be dangerous of it you know tears or whatever there's certain parts to a saddle that need a uh, uh, constant change sometimes like a, a sheepskin you need to change uh, uh, every uh, 10 years where, where if you're riding a horse you know uh, just in the summertime. Or if you, you know, it depends on your riding habits. That kind of varies. But uh, we're really fortunate. Um, like I mentioned earlier, our reservation is real close by. We took part, our, our tribe took part in the auction that occurred in August of uh, 2019 in uh, Portland. And uh, we, we were fortunate to uh, put in the winning bid for our Hamleys and uh, it's been um, profitable. Uh, except for the uh, saddle shop, we're still working on it, uh, still trying to find ways to, uh, we still make saddles the old way, but we're trying to find ways to, uh, use, uh, some modern methods that we're not, we're not taking any shortcuts on quality. You know, the quality is always going to be there. The handmade, uh, how you put in that ground seat and everything, that's always going to be there. We're never going to change that. And that's always, it's always been. Uh, A lot of saddle makers, uh, famous uh, saddle makers uh, around the country uh, in the Northwest, got their start here. You know they, uh, and uh, we're really proud to be associated with them because they stop by and they uh, they give us uh, helpful hints and yeah, I did it this way and I did that way and then you know little little tricks of the trade. You know when you're making things handmade and they all had their own uh, every saddle maker has all his own tools and then uh, we're the same way, you know, my, my son is a saddle maker here and uh, I made saddles for a while until uh, I kind of got handicapped with my arthritis. It uh, r- crippled up my, uh, my wrist and my uh, knuckles, so it, it's hard to do any uh, real good carving and uh, I still do it, but uh, it's not the quality it used to be and, uh, and I, I will say it's not Hamley quality. You know, we we uh, we have some high standards when it comes to uh, quality. We can do stamping, and then and like that, you know, do a basket stamp. But when it comes to floral, we're we're pretty choosy about uh, what it looks like and what the finished product is going to be like. Uh, that's that's a long winded. Uh,
0: <laughs> no that was that was great and you mentioned this a little bit but why are such high quality standards important um, to Hamleys?
1: Sure uh, other than the reputation that that uh, we developed uh, that been developed before we even uh, purchased the place there that, that when Hamleys owned it when the brothers owned it you know and that was the one thing that they, uh, they really uh, emphasized was uh, doing uh, quality stuff, not taking any shortcuts, using the best leather, using the highest quality uh, uh, metal products, you know, uh, uh, getting a real good quality steel and, and, and like that. It's really hard to come by and it's more expensive. And lately, it, uh, some of it hasn't been available. So the ones that uh, we use were coming out of Boise Foundry in, in uh, Boise, Idaho. And they shut down in april it's always a, a search and you always want to look ahead and, and uh and like that and, and that quality of steel stainless steel that uh that comes out of china it's not available now we can get it but we have to get it in a roundabout way it comes to uh one goes to another country then to another country then to a vendor in the united states then that to a, from the vendor He'll announce that he's got some, uh, the rigging steel or the bits and uh, real high quality steel and product that, uh, we can use for saddlery. And they'll make it available until, till he sells out. So it's kind of a, uh, if you think you're always on a constant search for, for that. Because you want to maintain a quality, we can put some uh, regular, uh, iron stuff in there that's cast iron or something, and it'll wear, it'll, it'll rust, it'll, it'll, uh, you know that you, you don't want to damage the, uh, injure the rider. You know the saddle saddlery uh, fails at some point uh, of hidden uh, defects and like that. So you want to, uh, and you kind of we kind of developed uh, uh, certain vendors that that deliver us. They know what we're looking for or what our past uh, saddle makers. But they were, and they're really choosy guys. You know, and I tease them a lot. I say, oh, you got a bunch of Prima Donnas, you know, but yeah, they're, they 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 go after that quality. They know what it takes to make a high quality product. You know, it's not a factory saddle. You know, most factory saddles they don't have the they don't have the high quality uh, materials that we use, uh, and they they use lesser quality. They take shortcuts, you know, and, and uh, uh, in their their products like like when you put the seat on a saddle. We we our saddle is just one whole great big giant piece. But you look at most of these factory saddles, they're two pieces of leather sewed together. And then after about a year, if you ride it in the rain, one side will stretch out on you, and oh man. So you, you know you where you where you choose your leather off that that side, the thickness, the quality, the suppleness, stretchability. If it comes from the neck or come from the uh, uh, rear end of the uh, Cow are from the middle of the back, high up. So there's like about uh, four different uh, qualities of leather in one big giant piece, 24 square feet, that you got to choose from. And it takes two sides of leather to make one saddle. So, uh, yeah, you got, you got to really be careful. You got to be choosy you, where you cut the leather out from and, and then how you lay it in. And you could ruin a piece of leather real, you know, they're making a saddle horn, you got to use a certain type on the top and then on the bottom it's a different different piece of leather from the same hide and then all of a sudden you tear it loose ah you got to start all over again and then, uh but you want to get it right get it good you know so uh, a lot of the customers maybe uh they might not understand it but i tell you somebody that rides uh horses every week moving livestock and checking cows and like that he'll 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 feel the difference and he'll realize the difference four or five years from now, you know, when he's still riding it, you're not riding it, he's not changing saddles every two, three years, you know, he's still got the same saddle. So, yeah, that's a, so that, that, all of that amounts to quality, you know, and then we try to maintain that for, for uh, even if the person doesn't understand why it's so expensive and, you know, it's a $4,000 saddle and. And uh, you know they, what, what goes into making it and, and what you know what we price out, but later on, they'll realize you know what kind of uh, product that they purchased you know in the long run
0: yeah, and the, just the longevity of the product in itself what What would you say you enjoy most about your role at Hamley and Co?
1: uh you know uh I have a, a lot of my relatives out here on the reservation that so, oh, you're supposed to be retired law enforcement. Why are you still working? And, geez and and I don't tell them that. I can't believe it that I get paid to play with leather. You know, <laughs> I love leather. I I, used, I My dad used to. Uh, uh, he was a horse buyer, and uh, so we'd go out. He'd be looking on a a special horse, and they, and then he'd see a, a a guy's saddle was torn or a harness was torn. And then I'd go get his little toolbox and he'd repair it right there on the spot for these guys. And well, I kind of picked that up, you know, and then he wouldn't charge them for uh, that kind of stuff. But he'd get in good, get in good graces with uh, a horse owner that he was trying to scheme around on, you know. But then at the same time, my dad, he'd give a horse away to some kid, you know. and Some people would come and we're looking for a horse and he'd make me go catch a horse. And then he'd give it, give it to those people, take it to their house. And, so make sure that everybody had a horse if they wanted one. So yeah, I grew up around those horses and just uh being around horses and being around uh uh leather and, and uh doing things with the leather and, and helping people. A lot of people come in and uh they just need a little thing. They need a strap repaired and and it takes five, uh, ten, five, ten minutes to do that and and then it's just more or less visiting with them and BSing and Telling them stories and then uh, getting to uh, do that, work with leather, like I said, I can't believe that you're paying me to do this. I'd have done it for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'd have That's volunteered.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and what can a listener expect when they visit Hamley & Co or use a Hamley product?
1: Well, uh, purchasing, like I said, uh, and I can only speak for the saddlery then any anything that has to do with salary they're gonna uh get a high quality uh piece of leather that that's uh been uh formed that's been uh handmade that that uh if it's been stamped it's gonna be uh any of any of our uh bad stamping bad carving gets rejected we got a box with a whole bunch of mistakes in it and uh so we're gonna uh they're gonna get something that that, that uh gonna look good on their feet gonna look good on their shafts when they wear their shafts um, they'll look fancy when they ride a horse you know and the horse is going to feel good when he sits in the, on one of our saddles and we have a guarantee and uh if, if the if the saddle don't fit your horse or if it causes a problem bring it back you know we'll we'll, we'll take it back yeah, uh it's not clear cut and dried but there don't be exceptions you know you always want to make sure that. Uh, it, 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 uh, we're doing a good deal with that because you always want to make sure the customer uh, is satisfied with the saddle, or uh, maybe you don't like his bit, or it's it's hung, it hangs. Because not every horse is made exactly the same. Every back is just a little bit different. The back might be a little bit wider, or, you know, and, and, and uh, we try to stick with uh, a generic uh, semi quarter horse trees, they're kind of wide. Get them too wide; it's going to be like a mule saddle, you know, and then they'll be it will be shifting sideways up and down. So you want to get it to a certain uh, width, and uh, the majority of uh, today's horses are uh, quarter horses, so that that it'll fit most of the uh, quarter horse backs, Then all you need to do is uh, put a um, put a blanket on. Start out maybe thick blankets in the in the morning, and as a horse a horse back will change by the middle of the day you ride them all day so you can take the extra saddle blankets off and get down to a thin saddle blanket and then that way you don't get no sore spots on your horse you know and, and uh, if you're if you're a good horseman and you're taking care of your horse you know and that's got to be foremost in your mind i hate to see uh guys abuse a uh, horse and then and then uh, blame the saddle for you know for their own carelessness you gotta uh there's a whole uh, uh gamut of of uh being around horses and and not just only saddles but uh you know understanding uh how how you use a horse and and all of that that goes with it too so my my son and I my son's a saddle maker like i said but we both work cattle both work uh livestock out in the range and uh we have horses and and uh so we uh know and understand uh uh Horses and 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 livestock and what it uh, takes to ride up and especially for our country, we're, we're uh, in the foothills of the mountains, and we had our cows up uh up in the national parks, and uh, uh, we had a tribal herd at one time. You know, we you got to get out, you ride a horse out, get your fencing tools and uh, repair a fence in the bushes, and then so your cows don't get out into private property, and so. It's a 24 seven job, you know, Would they wake us up three o'clock in the morning and tell us our cows are out, got to load up horses and go out there and push them back in. And uh, so that's, that's how it is. So we understand that. And then that goes over into uh, when we're making a saddle, because we know what these guys are going to be doing. They're going to pay that much on a, a good livestock saddle, whether it's a, a swell fork or a slick fork, you know, they, we know how they're going to use it and we know we want their horse to be all right with it. So, yeah, I kind of, I, I, I want the customer to feel that way that they're getting, the, they're getting the best that we can offer. You know, like I said, we, we, we got our word out there. You know, you don't like it, bring it back. We're going to, uh, we'll try to fix it or we're if we can't fix it, well, then we're, sometimes they bring their horses right in the back behind the store and we'll take that saddle out and we'll, you know fill feel the back and see where yeah and then we'll say all right this, this is a little bit maybe if we have might have to order a different tree for that horse and then we'll do that you know and then get them uh treated but then that's the bad that the bad part of it is that that what are you going to do when that horse is uh, 30 years old and he dies and then what are you going to do with the saddle you know you got to bury the saddle with the horse you know <laughs> But you know, you got a customer, you you want to make sure he's doing doing good by his horse and everything works out good for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you can tell that you you really stand behind your product. So, that's incredible. That that was all the questions that I had today. Woodrow, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about?
1: Uh, I'd like to add that uh you know the uh history of Hamleys with uh, our tribe. Uh of course, uh, everybody knows uh that all the uh, tribal nations across the country Kind of uh, got a bad hand when they uh, dealt to them when when uh, their lands were taken away, and uh, but there, there's been a lot of people that have treated us good too, and Hamleys was one of them. Those brothers, they would have a, a Hamley Christmas. They invite the tribal members here, Now I remember coming here in the 50s and uh, in the early, you know, 53, 54, and uh, my grandmother she'd get her lease checks. They'd mail them right here to uh, Hamleys. And then, so what we used to do was, uh, uh, she'd come here in the wintertime and in the summer and charge up clothes, you know, cause we needed clothes and like that. We'd charge up uh, things that we needed, hats, boots for my uncles and my grandfather. And uh, so we'd buy those kind of necessities. Of course, they were pretty cheap then. Then we'd get, she'd get her lease check for her wheat check in the fall right about roundup time so we'd come here around roundup and then uh, she'd pay her bills and then uh, he'd cash a check right here and he'd give her what what uh, and so that kind of and he not only us but uh, a lot of our tribal members were treated pretty good that way you know we weren't we weren't uh, 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 singled out or separated from the uh, from the bigger population around us We were treated the same and that was good you know and so we really We've always had that uh, type of relationship with this business. When the new owners opened up, I remember in '05, uh, the first thing they did was they wanted a tribal blessing. Yeah, we did that. We we uh, we came in and we sang our tribal songs and we blessed the facility and the new owners and wished them good luck. You know, because uh, we wanted to keep that relationship going with them. So I was real fortunate that that we we won the bid because. Uh, everybody we, uh, locally was glad because we want to keep the business local because we know what goes in the product and everything and, and these uh, uh these other guys that were bidding on, you know, billionaires out of uh, uh, Seattle or Northern California, they don't understand the product. They don't they understand the profit and loss looking at a, a computer screen, you know. They don't look at what what we look at, you know. So you got to you got to make sure you you get the extra effort in there. So anyway, that's all I had. Uh, Appreciate
0: it. I appreciate it, too. Thank you for being on the podcast, Woodrow. Thanks for tuning in. Learn more about the Ask Annie podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Ask Annie Podcast. Have a suggestion for a product you'd like me to use in an upcoming episode? Email me at askannypodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on any of our social media pages. Find even more Ask Annie episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and many more. The Ask Annie Podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.